the insight that can be gleaned from this morning's gospel is complex and in some ways difficult, hard to accept. If I had my druthers, I would raise these issues with you as part of a dialogue where we can have a give and take, rather than in this one direction form of communication called preaching. So I'm going to venture to preach on it anyway and make myself available for dialogue for those who would like to discuss it after the service as part of the coffee hour. Now, having gotten your attention, I hope, let me share some of the details. In this morning's gospel, we read that Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, went to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was ill, so Jesus healed her then shared a meal with them. At dusk, a crowd began to gather outside the door of that house, a crowd made up of many who were diseased and distressed. And Jesus lays hands on many of them, The difficult part is that he lays hands on many of them, but not all. He heals many of them, but not all, before he takes his rest for the night. Then while it is still dark, he gets up and goes to a secluded place. Why? To pray, it says. But something else is evident if you look at the text more clearly. Simon and the others come to find him and say to him, they're all looking for you. You need to go back to Capernaum and heal all those who you did not heal yesterday. But Jesus refuses and says, we need to be off to other places, sharing the good news of the gospel and to heal. He refused to go back. Many, but not all, were healed. So what was he about? What was he trying to teach the disciples? He was trying to teach them that God had sent him to heal the broken creation. And some signs of that unfolding healing, the unfolding breaking in reign of God, 
would be seen in clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, and healing those who were diseased or distressed. But those were only a few signs among the many. Just as important, he is saying, is reconciliation, bringing about harmony and unity among God's people and helping them develop a relationship with God. If you look in the catechism of our prayer book, on page 855, you'll see the question, what is the mission of the church? It is the mission of Jesus to bring all into unity with God and each other in Christ. To bring about unity, harmony, what is called their restoration and reconciliation. Enough theory. Now, let me give you some real examples. When the AIDS crisis broke in the mid-80s, I eventually turned out to be doing more spiritual direction than any other time in my ministry. When somebody was diagnosed with AIDS at that point in time, they knew it was a death sentence. There would be no cures this side of the grave. And so many of those people decided to get their house in order, as it were. They picked up a phone and called the church and asked for help. They had many relationships that had broken, and they wanted to repair them. They wanted to get their financial house in order, and they wanted to develop a relationship with God who they knew they were about to meet. I could not promise them physical healing, healing of relationships, healing of the separation between them and God is what I could help them be about. And even as death grew closer, I could see more friends and family that were reconciled and were gathered around the bed with them. And despite the loss, the great joy and peace in the mission and ministry of restoration and reconciliation. I learned. My second example uh, comes from another experience of when I was in East Lansing. All Saints East Lansing was built in the mid-50s and on the side of a hill. And in order to sort of 
make it fit into the hill, there were five levels to that church and parish house. You could go into the sanctuary and worship if you were in a wheelchair, but not get to a bathroom. You could certainly not get to the education offices, the choir loft, the rector's office, or where fellowship was. And so the vestry decided while we're in the midst of renovating our sanctuary, and I would not recommend the renovating of sanctuaries to my worst enemy. But aside from doing that, they decided to make the building handicapped accessible. If you got five letter levels, that means an elevator. It also means a number of ramps. When the workmen started building the ramp out in front of the main entrance to the church, I realized that there was a man watching them, a man in one of those electrified wheelchairs. I went down and introduced myself. He said his name was Bill Brooks. He was born with cerebral palsy and was very crippled. He was also an Episcopalian and so had to go 10 or 12 miles across town through East Lansing and then Lansing to find a parish that was really accessible to him and in which he could worship. He asked, when the ramp is done and the elevator is done, could he be the first to use them? And we said, sure. And soon he was showing up every Sunday morning coming up front to be there as part of worship. About that same time, I received a phone call from a county-run convalescent home. There was a woman there, Lynn was her name. She had multiple sclerosis. It was quite advanced, and her family had totally abandoned her. She wanted to talk to an Episcopal priest and receive communion. I went out to meet her, brought communion, and set up a group of people so she would get a visit from one of us each week. When the second visitor joined her, she said, you know, it's really wonderful the way you all have responded, but I would really like to be in church on Sunday morning part of the fellowship, I would like to worship with you. We brought that request to the vestry that decided if she wanted to come to church, we'd figure out a way to make it happen. For a while they borrowed a van, then they paid for her transportation. Bill and Lynn, up in the front of the church, every Sunday morning changed that congregation and it changed me. First, attendance dropped quite markedly. 
people were frightened by those two very ill and infirmed people. And the county home didn't do a very good job with Lynn. The sheet on her gurney was usually soiled. And then there was that urine bag hanging off the side. But conversations started. They heard Bill's story and then Lynn's story. And compassion grew. People started to talk about these two very infirm people that apparently wanted to come to church every Sunday to give God thanks for their blessings. It began to change a lot of perspectives about what life was all about. It didn't end there. Soon it became apparent that Bill not only wanted to come and worship, but he wanted to develop a relationship. Being part of the human community is so important. Read your healing stories in the New Testament. Jesus heals and he spends an equal or greater time helping people be restored to their communities and to have a relationship with God. Bill wanted to have a relationship with our parishioners and their pastor. So after I shook hands with all the folks on Sunday morning, there would be Bill. He wanted to talk. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to have a conversation with somebody with cerebral palsy. It takes a long, long time. I might have to ask him to repeat a word 20 or 25 times before I could figure out what he was saying. He might be talking about sports at Michigan State or how angry his mother was at him because he was living in Michigan or the trouble he was having with one of his aides. But it took often up to 20, 25 minutes. And here was this young stud, type A personality, wanting to grow this church as fast as he could, eager to get down to the coffee hour and glad hand all the visitors, make sure that the graduate students were introduced to each other. And there I was, following God's plan and Bill's about developing that relationship. It changed me. I learned a patience that I had never ever dreamed of having. I also needed to let go of some of my plans. The wonderful thing is the people saw what I couldn't do and they picked up those pieces and the congregation started growing dramatically even though I was not a central part of it. Sometimes physical healing is not what we can bring about, but we can be about the ministry of restoration 
and reconciliation, and it can make all the difference in the world. One final example. I was in my office on that fifth level one Tuesday morning, door closed, working on a major project, trying to finish it up before my 11 o'clock appointment. My secretary buzzed me and said, Bill was out there on the fifth level waiting for a conversation. I finished my sentence, canceled my appointment, opened the door, and started listening to Bill. Michigan was in one of its many depressive cycles. The governor was trying to solve part of the budget crisis by taking all single men off the welfare and benefit rolls. That meant that Bill would have to go back to the nursing home where he'd spent the first 30 years of his life. He wouldn't be able to go to the university to swim or watch the basketball game. He wouldn't be able to worship in a church on Sunday morning. And Bill was desperate that that not happen. I said, Bill, what, what on earth do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to get me an appointment with the governor so I can change his mind. It so happened that at that point, Chris Thomas, the head of the election commission, was a very active member of our congregation. I called Chris. Within 10 days, Bill had an appointment with Governor Engler, and the legislation was changed. Accessibility can also mean openness to the reins of power so you could help build a fuller life. We can bemoan the fact that the age of miracles is past, or we can look at what gifts each of us have been given for ministry and mission, for reconciliation, restoration, for hospitality and caring, and join our brothers and sisters in AA and other such groups in the work of restoration, reconciliation, helping people live fuller and more blessed lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.